0: On this week's interview on the Mid-Bay News Weekly Update, I speak with Councilman Sal Najimian. Najimian has been on the City Council for a decade now and has seen a whole lot change over those 10 years and hopes to see even more change in the near future. That includes projects like the Niceville Landing, that community redevelopment agency area, and the Deer Moss Creek site, which also will have a town center. I'll talk about how that will work together and what we can see from other development projects in the area. We also talk briefly about the Niceville Youth Advisory Council, why he's so passionate about it, and what he sees in the future for Niceville in general. Hey there, everybody, and welcome to the Mid-Bay News Update interview. I'm here with Councilman Sal Najimian, and uh, Councilman Najimian has a lot of background here in the city of Niceville. He's been on council for 10 years now,
1: is that right? Uh, yeah, I think it's 10 years, yes. Uh, and so um,
0: we we have a lot to discuss, in, uh, especially here in the city in the last couple of months. Uh, I figured we would just get started with uh, what's what's on your mind right now. What are you most excited about in, in the short to medium term when it comes to the city of Niceville?
1: Well, first of all, Christopher, thanks for having me on. Uh, I really look forward to just you know, having a conversation with you and sharing some ideas. And, and you're absolutely right. Uh, there's a lot of great things happening in our city. Um, as, as you said in the intro, uh, I'm in my Third full term now. I actually started in the role. There was a special election, and I kind of threw my my hat in the ring, coming out of Wing Command, out of Eglin. Uh, just wanted to figure out how to be part of the community after after uh, running the installation for a couple years, and uh, City Council seemed like a great way to do that. Um, since then, uh, we have really matured a lot as a as a city uh, in terms of our processes, in terms of the way we do things. Uh, We've got a new city manager, as you know, uh, who has come in with a lot of great ideas, uh, things that uh, need a little bit of attention in terms of being refined and improved. Uh, Our staff uh, remains as good as any city, uh, probably in the entire state of Florida, not just northwest Florida. They're committed uh, to great things. Uh, We've had really nice growth. The growth has been uh, planned growth, measured growth. It's not growth for growth's sake. Uh, and the amenities that we've been able to bring to our residents in the last i don't know five or six years you start with the senior center uh, which is uh, again the best around it's the envy of other towns uh, in our region uh, the side the community sidewalk projects to provide that you know the connectivity the multimobility uh, that we need um, we've got some great stuff happening the CRA i think we might talk about that a little bit later here in this in this discussion uh, just brought on Online new pickleball courts to go along with the ones that we've had for some time, and then again, just all the the new businesses that are being attracted, the you know, Deer Moss Creek, uh, and what that's going to uh, bring to our city uh, in the long run. Those are just a thumbnail sketch, I would say, of some of the things.
0: I think a, a good place to start on that is the Deer Moss Creek development. I mean, so there's what thirty five hundred ish houses that are supposed to go in when it's all said and done. Um, yeah. That's a, that's, go, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, that's just a huge expansion of the city's population within city limits. Um, what What is that going to look like, you know, once, it, once that whole development's completed? How are we going to manage that growth?
1: Yeah. So, uh, again, really exciting. You know, there's two ways to look at stuff. You can look at something as threatening or you can look at something as exciting. You know, I look at this as an exciting opportunity uh, because it's going to allow us to bring in uh, sets of services and retailers and providers that typically wouldn't come to our town because we weren't big enough. But with DMC and the potential of 10,000 people, and I'm intentionally saying the word potential, um, that development theoretically could go up to 30 some odd um, hundred homes. That's what's in the, that's what's called a a a, CPOD, a comprehensive planned unit development. And um, Ruckel Properties has authorized that many homes. Um, it doesn't look like they're gonna develop to that number. The development number is probably gonna be somewhere Probably closer to 2,500. But again, if you use a three people per rooftop measurement, you're still talking about 7,500 people. But in addition to that, there's going to be a town center there. There's going to be businesses there. There's going to be, uh, you know, potentially, uh, there will be, uh, have to be uh, more schools to take care of the additional uh, student uh, load that's going to occur. Uh, The city has negotiated with Ruckel Properties to have some land there to be able to put. auxiliary stations for fire and emergency services, uh, you know, water tower, all those other amenities that are required. So again, it's back to that term I used earlier, planned growth. This is not just, hey, let's keep jamming more homes and more businesses and not invest in the infrastructure that's going to be required to carry that, whether that's infrastructure, physical infrastructure, like roads and water sewer, reclaimed water, but also the infrastructure for education and training and things like that. So I, I think it's going to be a very nice balance. It'll probably bring us to 25,000 plus or minus um, when it's fully built out. And uh, that's, a, that's a really nice size city.
0: And so with, with 25,000 people in the city, what kind of benefits can we see that we might not otherwise see in a town of 15,000 people or 16,000 people like we have right now?
1: Well, I, I think uh, well from a, from a, the city side, it allows the city staff to grow. So we start getting redundancy of services. You know, right now when we were. a when I started, we were probably about a 12,000 person city. So we've had about 3000 people in the last 10 years. Um, but I remember days where there was, you know, positions were one deep. And if that person wasn't there, then something didn't happen. Uh, you know, we didn't have the senior center. We didn't have these other investments that have been made because our tax base has been increasing with the additional ad valorem and things that have come in that have allowed us to do this stuff. Um, businesses, for example, um, I'll, I, I don't want to use a particular brand because I don't want to pick one over another, but um there are national businesses that will look at a population count of a region drive time to a certain area, and they won't even consider coming in if it's below a certain amount um, you know they look at other things like uh, you know disposable household income and other things like that, but we always grade well on those scales because we've got good jobs or uh, incredibly low unemployment, uh great school systems, so all those things become incubators to draw in uh, those other. Uh, you know, businesses. We can attract uh, more high-end uh, tech jobs uh, because, again, people want to look and make sure there's a workforce that's going to be there. What does that do? That brings in more income. More income means uh, uh, more affordable or uh, people buying more expensive housing. More expensive housing leads to more ad valorem. You know, there is a, uh, there, there's a cycle uh, that, that that works like that. And I think a lot of this growth that we've been discussing is very positive. The challenge, you know, if I'm going to go ahead and throw a challenge issue out there is um, continuing to maintain the workforce level housing as well. We don't want everything to be high end that we don't want to pinch out, you know, part of the market that we want in our community as well. And the city works that hard. We've got our own housing that we own through the housing authority. Uh, But, you know, working with, you know, uh, Ruckel properties, you know, Ruckel is bringing in a class of homes that are. You know, a little bit more affordable than some of their early product that was developed during Phase One. Very intentional to make sure that they can provide, uh, you know, adequate, affordable housing for a lot of folks who are out at Eglin and some of the other positions that are out in our community.
0: And so those houses would be in the Deer Moss Creek development. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, one specific phase is being developed for. Um, uh, I'd say more in the in the in in the workforce level uh right now if you look at dmc if you've been through there it's a great community they've done a really nice job but there's a lot of high-end homes in there um but there's also about to be a 300 plus or minus unit multi-development or multi-family unit which are apartments really high-end apartments we don't have that in niceville there's another site uh dedicated for another 200 plus odd units so that's 500 uh they're bringing in some Uh, smaller home products as well, not the big uh, yards that are going to be more affordable for folks. So that's, and those are things that as a council and a planning commission, we get to work with our developers and, you know, uh, try to bring something that we know is good for them. We don't want to squash private sector growth and development. That's what leads to a lot of the good things that we enjoy. But at the same time, we want to make sure we maintain the charm that has been Niceville for decades.
0: You know, now that my kids are bringing home a bunch of art from their preschools, uh, it's kind of starting to stack up, or at least it used to until I got Deer. Deer is an app that you can get on your phone that allows you to scan all of your kids' art and macaroni shell necklace art paintings and, you know, coloring and stuff like that into one place, and then you can throw it away when they're not looking and keep those memories forever so that you have them but you don't have the clutter that goes with it. Again, that's the Deer app. Check them out on the App Store. You can thank me later. And so speaking of, you know, charm and I guess uh, one of the big things that at least I see that we do not yet have is kind of a downtown congregation. You know, um, if you've ever been to Thomasville, Georgia, I think that's a great example um, where you have something downtown walking area. A, do you think, um, is is that something that will be split up if there's a town center in Niceville and then, uh, you know, this planned CRA area on Bayshore? Is that something that concerns you or has that been planned for?
1: Yeah, so, I, so I'll start with a, the second question. No, it does not concern me. I think there's enough capacity for both. So they're going to be a little bit different. And so let's start with the uh, the CRA because that's the one the city actually is involved in. And I can talk a little bit about the town center and DMC and full disclosure um, I think a lot of our listeners already know this, but you know, my, uh, city council is a is a is a part time gig for for all five of the city council members and the mayor. Um, in fact, way less than the part time gig. Uh, many of us uh, have full time jobs. Mine is uh, I'm the CEO of Matrix Design Group, and um, DMC Deer Moss Creek is actually a client of ours. So my knowledge of DMC I think is a little bit more than the average city council person because my company actually does some work out there for Ruckel property. So I just want to make sure that's that's known Perfect. and that's clear. And just to finish that conversation, in case anyone asks the question uh, on a follow-on, I always recuse myself of any uh, votes or anything that could impact DMC uh, just to make everything completely uh, clear and transparent. Um, in terms of the the CRA, the Community Redevelopment Authority, that's, a, that's an entirely different body that's embedded within the city government. Now, in Niceville's case, we're dual-hatted. So our city council members also are our CRA commissioners. That doesn't have to be that way. Um, Defuniac Springs, as an example, has a city council just like ours. They also have a CRA commission. They have five different people that sit on their commission. Uh, we just happen to be dual-hatted. Um, both models work. So when I'm wearing my CRA commissioner hat, Our focus is trying to figure out how to take typically underdeveloped, underperforming um, areas of our city that we know have a lot of capability and create an economic engine to bring it back up to par with the rest of the the rest of the community. In our case, our CRA is pretty large. It starts as you come down the government hill. If you come down 85, uh, you wrap around the bayou across the street from, um, you know, the the Hilton, not Hilton, the uh, Holiday Inn. Um, and then you come down past uh the um I'm trying to remember what's what's there. It's the air the HVAC uh we care, I think yes. HVAC and then all the way down Bayshore uh for a little ways and then back up a few different roads, back up eighty-five past the Eglin Golf Course, past the wastewater treatment plant. That whole area is carved out as the CRA. The CRA gets special tax benefits. And what the what it does is it gets to keep additional revenue that's generated um, inside that area. That's above the original baseline tax gatherings that were established whenever the CRA was established. So basically it gets a kicker. It gets extra money uh, and every new business that comes in there creates even additional revenue and that makes that CRA work even better. CRAs don't go on forever. They have a sunset. Uh, Ours will sunset. I don't remember when, sometime in the 2030s. So the goal is to get everything done as quickly as we can so that uh, when that sunset occurs on the CRA and it goes back to just being a regular part of the city, no tax advantages, nothing, then um, it is self-sustaining. So our big project down there is the, the old old, uh, old town or historic landing. Um, as you know, we've got great waterfront down there. We, we purchased waterfront land a number of years ago. We've since expanded the ownership of the land to several, uh, 50, 75 feet, something like that on both sides uh we've developed into a mini park there's plans to add um restrooms there in the future it's already uh, all the infrastructures in place for that we're going to have a dock that's going to extend out into the bayou uh, ability to host events on that dock whether it's music or or whatever and now we've also purchased a lot of the land from bayshore uh up to john sims so going up through some of the vacant property uh, we didn't we don't own the bank that's right there, but we own a lot of the land around the bank. There used to be an old r v storage lot we've picked up there's an old dilapidated building that we bought some time ago we're going to demo that once all that gets cleaned up, we have hired a couple of engineering firms and planning firms uh to uh, take the concept plan which already exists and take that to an engineering stage and eventually a construction stage and The idea is we're going to have a fantastic development right down there on the water that's going to have Shops, uh, potentially uh, accommodations like a bed and breakfast, um, restaurants, bars, a- entertainment, a nice gathering spot that, to your point earlier, does not exist within our city right now. Um, that's going to take a few years, um, and it's not going to be huge. I mean, the whole area is uh, a-, a block, a city block in each direction. So that segues over to the town center DMC. Um that one also is relatively small, currently laid out as about a block in each direction. Uh, we'll probably have somewhat different amenities. I think that's going to be geared a little bit more towards those seventy five hundred to ten thousand residents you talked about earlier. There'll probably be uh, you know beauty shops there, nail salon, dry cleaners, maybe law officers or, or whatever it's 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 a town center that will function to support that area and anybody else who wants to go. And there'll probably be restaurants and bars and breweries or whatever there as well. But I think as a town of 25, with the ability to draw others in from Val P and other places like that, absolutely feel the capacity is there to satisfy both requirements. I think they're going to be a little bit different in the way they're going to be designed and programmed. And uh, I'm, I'm I'm excited that we're going to go from zero to potentially two in the next, I don't know, let's call it five years.
0: Perfect. Um as, as we're looking forward into the future, I think one of the things that really is interesting to me, especially as I've gotten to go to more city council meetings and show up a little bit early, is uh, the Niceville Youth Advisory Council. And I know that is, that's your passion. I mean, you've said that multiple times uh, from the dais and the regular city council meetings. What got you started in this Niceville Youth Advisory Council? And by, I guess before that, can you kind of explain what it is? And why you sound Jimmy and care about it so much.
1: Yeah, well, uh I do. It is my passion. You can probably tell by I don't know if I don't know if this shows up as an audio and a video when it gets posted. So hopefully it's a video so people can see the smile on my face because I love what we do uh with our youth advisory council. Uh the history is simple. Um and, and all the credit goes to my to my uh, oldest son, um Adam. Uh when Adam was a senior in high school at Niceville back in uh two thousand uh twelve, thirteen um he had a friend who um went uh lived in Destin and he told him about a youth advisory council that Destin had and i had just been elected to council um that year uh, i started in uh i think it was in january of 13 and uh and he goes dad, does niceville we'll have one i said i don't know i'm brand new i'll, I'll ask and uh, looked into it and we didn't have one and he said why and again, brand new guy, uh, you know, brand new guys ask all the questions because they're not afraid to admit how little they know. And I said, I don't know. Um, I'll look into it and you know, we'll figure this out. So a little bit of research, looked up on Florida League of Cities, what this Youth Advisory Council was and everything else. And I love the charter. And the charter is essentially um, empowering the youth that live within a community or go to school within a community. You don't have to actually live within our, within our zip code. Um, uh, have an opportunity to, to meet themselves as a council, as a youth advisory council, tee up issues that are important to them and then have a voice in front of council. So we're not only dealing with the things that are typical uh, uh, meeting attendee wants, which is probably zoning or planning or business license or whatever, um, but things that are affecting our youth, which by the way, are probably half the population or at least a quarter of the population of our, of our city. Um, so that was the, the idea behind it. So um, I challenged him to uh, learn what Destin was doing and if he could get it done by the time he graduated in May, uh, we'd set one up and uh, lo and behold, he, he wrote a charter. Uh, he did all the research and got everything in place. We voted it in in uh, I want to say May of 2013, so about 10 years ago. and unfortunately he never got to serve on it uh, because one of the rules is you have to be uh, a senior uh, between a, a freshman and a senior in high school. Uh, to be on youth advisory council. So he aged out. Um, But he set the groundwork for what has now been 10 classes of phenomenal young leaders that have uh, volunteered to be part of this group. Some years it's been lean. We've had no more than six or seven. We have five members on the executive council. They actually sit up on the dais just like the five regular council members. They meet an hour before council. They got to play by the same rules we do, sunshine law, uh, they've got to have, um, a f- a full disclosure for any of their discussions. It's, it's a training ground for them to help them learn how to get things done, how difficult it is to build consensus, uh, uh, how important it is to prioritize because they get up there at 15, 16 years old, they want to boil the ocean and you're like, okay, guys, you know, we've got nine months, uh, you only meet once a month. Let's figure out what are the most important things that you guys can get accomplished. And so uh, we've matured over the years. Um, I think, I, I, I counted two years ago, I think we've had like 36 alumni or graduates of the program. So probably add another 10 or 12 to that now. So we're probably sitting somewhere around 40 to 50. And um, they, have, uh, they have gone on to do some amazing things. Those early classes are now uh, out. there in the real world. Uh, a lot of them took on student government positions in college. Uh, and a couple of them are actually now sitting on, um, things like planning boards and review committees in their own communities. Uh, and, and they, they trace a lot of that back to their time on youth advisory council. So, um, that's kind of the history of it. And, uh, I, I remain, uh, just absolutely impassioned, uh, by the the energy that those kids bring in the ideas that they generate and and the good work that they do.
0: I think, um, one of the things I'm, I'm becoming, finding myself becoming more passionate about is, um, Keeping the kids that are between uh, like 18 and my age, you know, either attached to the community for when they come back to college um, or deciding to make a go of it here is how do, how do we keep the kids that are, you know, bright enough to see the value of the Niceville Youth Advisory Council? How do we get them to come back here and stay here in Niceville long term?
1: You know, I, you know, Christopher, that's probably the million dollar question. Um, I, I'd have to think back if I have any of them back yet. Um, I, I We can take this back to the beginning of this podcast, and it's 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 some of those reasons of why we're growing and why we're making the investments we're making because the reality is if you're stagnant, if you're not moving forward, then you're dying, and we don't want to be a dying community, and if you're not adding new opportunities for them in the job market and not just hey, you know here's an hourly job at you know place x. I'm talking if these kids went away to college, got their degree, worked hard on something. They want to come back and they want to be able to use that. They want to advance, uh, you know, whatever their passion was, whether it's IT or engineering or AI or or marketing or accounting or whatever it was or journalism, you know, uh, whatever it was. Um, there's got to be a reason for them to come back. And if it looks exactly the same as when you left, that's probably not going to happen. Um and again, there's we, we were uh, we were in a, a desert, if you will, of entertainment options. You know, we don't have a movie theater, we don't have uh congregation locations, you know, we got third planet, you know. I'm not sitting here to plug third planet, I'd plug another thing if I could think about it. But that's what comes to mind. And and I love third planet. It's great, It's fantastic. But that's that's a single option. Um and you can only walk Turkey Creek so many times. Uh so you know, there 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 needs to be other things to draw them back. And they they probably liked those types of Activities, whether it was live music or 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 a show or whatever, in their college communities, and we just don't have those kinds of things. So, with our new, you know, old town redevelopment and potentially the town center and other things that are happening around town, and the jobs that I kept referring to that hopefully are going to be created by this new population, then then I think we have got a chance to, to to hook some of them back. Now, I will say. There is an age point where a lot of them want to come back because they get into that next phase, which Mm -hmm. is they have kids. They want to come back. They want to raise their kids in that same community. They want them to go to Ruckel Middle School and Niceville High School and those other places that have continued to be just the bellwether of of, of the best of the best. And that's still there. And uh, we just got to figure out how to close to your point, that 23 year to 35 year old gap that sometimes I think exists.
0: Um, speaking of, you know, these schools that were, you know, we have these A-rated schools here, uh, they're a little full. (laughs) Um, And I'm I'm curious if you've uh, spoken at length to anybody at the school district about putting in, you know, new schools or expanding school building capacity, things like that, in order to keep, you know, the school's I guess the crown jewel of our area—the reason that people want to continue to live here.
1: Yeah, honestly, that's a little bit out of a city councilman's role. Um, you know, we've got a school board that's charged with you know those types of activities, working with Marcus and, and his team. Um, We—they're very informed in what we're doing. Uh, you know, uh, Marcus and uh, or uh, yeah, Mr. Chambers and um, uh, Steve Horton, uh, his deputy, are uh, intimately engaged in conversations uh, with. Ruckle Properties in terms of how that property's planned to grow so they can appropriately uh, deal with that with schooling. Um, I, I don't have numbers in front of me, but I I want to say Niceville actually has gone down because of Destin High School being created. Okay. And so I think the capacity issue doesn't exist at the high school level. I, I, I may be misspeaking. I'm sure any of your listeners who know better will post and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that's actually gone the other way. So I think there's some capacity left there. Um, I do know that uh, the school board is more interested in the K through eight capacity issues within the Niceville zip code, and they are working uh, solutions for that.
0: Perfect. Um, I've I've asked you a lot of questions. Is there anything else that I should ask or think of uh, to tell people about what you're trying to do here in the city or what we need to do to move forward more efficiently?
1: I think rather than a question, I think I I have just an ask and the ask I have is um, get involved. Um, You know, we have a great, great community Um, and the more voices that we hear uh, and the more people that are willing to put their own time into it, it's going to get better. We have a a really small group of active people. I see the same people um, at every event, whether it's a chamber event, whether it's economic development, whether it's uh, city council, whether it's. CRA, whether it's, a, you know, some uh, community-based fundraiser or whatever. And that's great. I'm glad those people are there. But I also know there's about 14,500 people that aren't there. And, um, and people are often quick to complain. And I have no problem saying this. And some of them might complain on this podcast. Um, they'll, 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 they'll hide behind a, a post, whether it's on a podcast or Facebook or something like that. Um, and they don't know the facts uh, because they didn't come out to a city council meeting or they didn't reach out to talk to somebody that's in the know. They didn't take the opportunity to go meet with one of our great employees and ask them what's going on with something. Um, And that to me is, has always been a point of frustration. Again, I came out of the military 23 years. I was the wing commander of England. And so worked my way up through the ranks and I would see it there too. You know, You'd have this commander's action line and you'd have these questions that were being thrown out there that just got publicly pasted everywhere. And in most cases it was a simple answer that if that person had simply gone and talked to that first level or second level supervisor, they would have gotten the answer. But instead they decided they wanted to be able to, you know, show everyone how smart they were. So they just randomly put something out there in that in the action line, which then generates all this churn that has to happen to answer something that was relatively simple. And the the solution has always been get informed, be involved. Be part of the process, um, and 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 do your part to advance uh, advance the ball. Um, we've got a great great community, and the way it's going to get better is if uh, people follow that very very simple roadmap.
0: Perfect. All right. Well, Councilman Salda Jimian, uh, thank you so much for being with us today and letting us know a little bit more about what's going on and your thoughts about moving the ball forward for the city of Niceville.
1: Well, I appreciate the uh, airtime, Christopher, and thank you. Uh, I see you at all the Youth Advisory Council meetings. I see you at the City Council meetings. Uh, uh, I know you're spreading the word. You're doing exactly what I just asked, and uh, uh, I I hope you keep doing that. You're, you're, You're a true asset to our community.